Broadcasting from the heart of commie-controlled America, the no-bullshit bearer of doom and gloom, opium-free broadcast, the most important hour of your day. Let's, let's try this. Is that better? Do I have audio now? Can you guys hear me? Can you give me a 5.5 five if you can hear me? Uh, for some reason, it's, got, it's on the wrong setting. So we're going to have to just check that out and hope that the audio is working. That was Tears for Fears. Everybody wants to rule the world. This is the Red Pill Project's Daily Dose. We're live with you Monday through Thursday, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 6.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. This is where we bring you the unfolding. Man, my head is like low there. Unfolding global conspiracy of... The new world order coming to the world. You know, this is, this is one thing that I've been thinking about a lot lately. Because um, we were talking about the climate change agenda. And I, I know I mentioned this yesterday. Or the day before, whatever it was. But it's almost like this planet is being controlled by something else. And it's influencing humanity to destroy itself. And then at the same time, terraforming this planet. I, I mean, it, it just... Makes sense to me. I don't know why. It just makes sense to me. But that's a conversation for Friday night. Tomorrow we have Brad Olson on Conversations on the Fringe. Uh, we're going to be talking about the esoteric UFOs, ancient civil. Oh, we're going to be talking about all kinds of stuff. It can be fun. Uh, and then tomorrow, Dark Delight Show in the morning. Uh, morning Coffee has the week off. They probably won't be in next week either. Uh, probably till the middle of the week. Uh, Vince has moved to a new place and has to get a whole new internet line hooked up. So we're hoping that Vince gets back with us soon because I'm just going crazy over here. I need I need someone to talk to. 
<laughs> if you're interested in being a co-host or a host here on the Red Pill Project, feel free to reach out with me on reach out to me on the social Red Pill. We can definitely make things happen. I had one person reach out to me today. They've been a co-host on these shows before. And they might uh, jump in next week. We'll see what happens. Um, but, uh, yeah, man, just uh, it, it, it's, it's interesting how this all comes about, right? Like, tonight's episode is called I Stand with Taiwan. Too soon? <laughs> like, I, look at this. Look at this article. The coming war over Taiwan. I mean, this is the Wall Street Journal. With its global power at peak and domestic problems mounting, China is likelier than ever before to make good on its threats. We get news today that the Ronald Reagan strike group is going to stay in the area. That's not good. That, that is not good at all. Because I think that China is going to move within a week or so. I, I think that we're... Um, we're very, very close to China's making their move. Because they're, firstly, you got to understand how much planning and logistics go in to running the exercise that they're doing right now. The exercise that they're doing right now. So the four day exercise surrounding the island, shooting missiles off, live fire exercises, that, that's not cheap and that takes a long time to plan. A lot longer than thinking, hey, Nancy's coming tomorrow, let's do four days of exercises. Okay? Doesn't work that way. Um, which tells me you don't put all that money, energy, effort, time, planning, logistics into a four-day exercise when you're ready to go. <laughs> when, when you have everything already there, why don't you just go and do it? Um, I, like, I woke up this morning, and I was expecting to see that China already invaded Taiwan. Um, and I think that there's probably some back-channel communication going on, and maybe that's what's happening here. Is there's back-level communication of China really – I went dark – China really talking to Taiwan saying, hey, look, we're, we're going to come in on this day at this time. There's nothing you can do. Just give it up. Get rid of the United States. We'll be good to go. Nobody gets hurt. I think that that's kind of what's maybe going on in a dialogue in the back end right now. So we will see. Um, but, you know, as we described yesterday, Nancy Pelosi is nothing more than a puppet. Nancy Pelosi is an agent for China. She was basically used as a, as a catalyst, catalyst to begin this operation for China to move into Taiwan. And, you know, as uh, the, the, uh, the New York or the Wall Street Journal says, you know, you have China and you have Putin. They're both making forward aggressions. This is a dual-fronted war for NATO. The United States is weak. The rest of the NATO nations are weak. I mean, no offense to them, but their militaries are a, a fraction of what ours are. In every major war that we've had with NATO, we've fought the blunt end of it. Not saying that they haven't fought. I mean, UK soldiers, Australia, and Canada have been right there side by side with, with American soldiers, sailors, and airmen. Not going to say they haven't, but uh, they're just a fraction of what we actually put up. And so tonight we're going to be talking a little bit about, we're only going to talk about Taiwan for a little bit. So it's not, I'm not going to bore you four days with Taiwan, but I just want to stress how important this really is because it is critically important to understand what happens when China invades Taiwan. Okay. So we're going to talk about that. Um, we have a little bit of other news, a lot of news that we didn't cover last night. 
because um, we had Jason on, and, and Jay and I like to get off topic and talk all different types of things. And so we kind of got off topic last night, which is okay. I don't mind. Uh, we had a great time. But we're going to talk about some of that news from yesterday. We're going to talk a little bit about Kerry Lake, what's potentially happening with that. Um, maybe uh, a few predictions of what happens in November, because we have kind of maybe a different landscape perspective that we're going to look at for the 2022 midterms. And I kind of want to draw a few other scenarios out there as well, because I think there's one scenario that potentially could happen happen um, that we haven't talked about yet. Um, a few announcements. Uh, what do we have? We had the Dark Delight show this morning. Those are all uploaded on our audio podcast on Podbean. Uh, tomorrow we have the, uh, the the finality of the Dark Delight show for this week. That's going to be episode 70. I can't believe I've already done 70 of those episodes. That's amazing. Um, episode 70 tomorrow, the Dark Delight show. Uh, we really don't do guests, but if you ever want to come in, call in, feel free to do that. Um, and then tomorrow night, obviously, conversation on the fringe we talked about, then fringe after dark after that. Um, and uh, Alexis, hello, my good friend Alexis. I'm speaking at uh, one of their friends' church groups on Saturday at their at a friend's house at a party. So this is going to be interesting. I'm going to be talking a lot about Taiwan, what's happening, the unfolding global conspiracy, what moves are being made, and, and how this all affects us. So that's going to be pretty cool. Don't forget about the Reckoning Fest, reckoningfest.com. And if my mods can put that in there, that'd be great. Reckoningfest.com. Basically, if I see a web address, please just help me out. Put it in there. You guys are awesome. All right. But yeah, Reckoningfest.com. That is August 27th and 28th. It starts at 8 a.m. And uh, it is one of the final Patriot events of the year. And it, it is going to be a mass blowout. We have amazing speakers. Wano Seven, myself. I got to put myself in there, right? Uh, Mike Lindell. Mike Adams is going to make a uh, recorded appearance. Um... We have Brandon Straka of the walkout movement. So we got tons of great people who are going to be there. Mel K, my good friend. Um, so please check that out. Thank you so much, Patriot of Pisces. Reckoningfest.com. And uh, then also today we have the Battle of the Streams. If you don't know what that is, that's ways you can help support everything that we do here at the Red Pill Project uh, and alternative media, helping us grow, helping us get the information out there, help getting the right interpretation of the information out there. I just see, I see a lot of bad information all the time. It's nothing against anybody who's putting out information. It's just that we have to utilize that hypercritical analysis of our mind to look at things and see how truth, truthful and factual that information actually is. And actually, I wanted to talk about another thing tonight. Maybe I'll start with that because I just did uh, um, DEFCON 5 today with James Grunvig on American Media Periscope, and we had a, a fantastic guest um, and this was about a certain technology that we've mentioned before on the show, but we never really dug deep in. And tonight, really, they, they've had a lot of breakthroughs with this technology the last few weeks. And uh, I'm, I'm looking for the article right now. Or There it is. Uh, there it is. Boom. Okay, I'm pull that up. And this is pretty cool technology. We'll talk a little bit about this here in a second. But, um, yeah, if you want to help us out with the Battle of the Streams, that's basically a competition between Pilled, Rumble, and DLive where you guys can help donate to us. 
um, and and keep the Red Pill Project alive as well. If you just want to donate to us, there's two easy websites you can go to. It's Give, Send, Go slash Red Pills, or that's uh, redpills.tv slash go. That's the easiest way. That's a short URL to get there. Or you can just send us crypto. That's also accepted as well, redpills.tv slash send crypto. I appreciate everybody who donates. And, and even if you can, I appreciate the views and the likes and the comments. And if you're just watching, please just like that video. Hit that plus button on Rumble. Those things are always free. And comment, say hi, whatever it might be, and, and share it. Because um, that definitely helps us out in many different aspects. So uh, much appreciated for everybody out there and everything you guys are doing. Oh, we could also look at that. And I was a little slow getting started today. I had a lot of things going on. So I got a whole bunch of news, but it's kind of like all unorganized. So we're just going to we're going to stroll through this and see kind of where it takes us. But um, just understand that everything that's happening right now in this world is, um, well, everything that's happening in this world is done for a reason. There's a methodical process to how this is unfolding. And, and, you know, the interesting thing is the world has not been decided yet. And this is the most important thing to understand. The world has not been decided yet. There is no winner or loser declared already. Nobody's, nobody's here saying, you know, oh, it's, it's all over, game over, we won. You know, it's not at that point yet. And that's a good thing, even though it looks like the globalists are winning, because people like you and me get to rise up, stand up, and speak up. People like you and me have an opportunity to take our country back. And I've explained this before with Donald Trump. I think that the plan that Donald Trump made was he went out there, he turned China against the globalists, he allowed them to ally with Saudi Arabia, other BRICS nations, Russia, and he allowed this collaborative environment for them to overthrow the globalist and really turn around and take over everything that they were doing in the sense of globalization, sustainability, and, and implement their own nation state derived new world order where they retain their sovereignty as long as they left the United States alone, which gives Trump American first candidates basically the next four years to rebuild America to its once founded glory. And I think that that's kind of where we're at in the sense of the situation is that the United States might get involved, but it's going to take the people to stand up to say no. We talked about that last night is when the veterans get called to this World War Three. They say, no, we're not going. Sorry, not happening. And they take up arms and say, no, not happening. And the 18 to 45-year-old males, and then they get drafted. They say, no, not happening. And it's a, a thousandfold of what you saw in the 1960s. And I think if we have something like that happen, civil disobedience at that level. Remember James Madison, Federalist 46, disquietude and civil disobedience, outspoken governors and state legislation. And if we have those four things when this happens, where the states basically say, no, we're not going to war, not happening, governors produce very outspoken, the states produce legislation, the people stand up very outspoken as well and produce a level of civil disobedience, we can defeat this tyrannical government and basically say, no, we're, you know, Joe Biden started this war. He's in bed with China. He's on the payroll of China. Um, he's, they're, they're, they're taking money from Ukraine. They help fund these biolabs. Absolutely not. Interesting uh, update about the biolabs, though. 
Um, so Russia came out earlier today and claimed that the origins of the original COVID strand derived from the Ukrainian biolabs. And this is from Russia directly. Not only that is I actually was talking to Thomas Rents today, Attorney Thomas Rents, and he was saying he has a do- government document. A U.S. government document directly issued to one of the bio labs in Ukraine in two, October 2019 asking for a summary analysis of COVID-19. It's interesting because October 19 or October 2019, COVID-19 wasn't even named yet. So why is the government have an official document in October 2019 asking the Ukrainian bio labs? for an update on COVID-19 when COVID-19 hadn't even been named yet. So this is damning information in the sense of the gain-of-function research and a lot of the things that uh, Rand Paul is doing. With that being said, is it backs up completely uh, the claims of Russia saying that COVID-19 was actually created in the Ukrainian biolabs, which means that it is a genetically targeted bioweapon, which, I mean... This stuff gets just crazy when you start getting into it. But then we know that Metabiota is partially owned by Hunter Biden, James Bonnie Biden, and Joe Biden's company, which they have a financial interest in. It was obviously the gain-of-function research done in China at the Wuhan lab with EcoHealth Alliance. Um, we have uh, Peter Daszak. You have Fauci. You have the World Health Organization, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, all involved in various aspects of this. Um, you had... Tedros, the, the head of uh, the UN today, come out. I don't have the video. I wish I that was one of the ones I was trying to download I, and I didn't get it in time. But he came out and he's not even vaccinated. I mean, these people that are pushing for the vaccination of the world population, they're not even vaccinated himself. He said he was in protest with the people of Ethiopia. And so he wasn't going to get vaccinated. So just massive absurdities. And people are learning the truth. People are figuring it out. But there's also that level of people who are not, that level of people who are just fucking blind. They're they're blind and they're deaf to truth. I mean, you scroll TikTok for five minutes, you're going to see these people like, Biden is the greatest president in the world and and Trump is a monster. It's horrible. It's absolutely horrible. So one of the things I wanted to talk to you today about is um, this. What is Lenar? Um, LENR stands for Low Energy Nuclear Reactions, or sometimes lattice-enabled nanoscale reactions, and refers to the phenomena where anomalous amounts of heat are created when certain metals, nickel, palladium, absorb hydrogen and deuterium, and an external stimulus, such as heat or an electric current, is applied. The reaction takes place at relatively low temperature, and sometimes it results in the transmutation of the elements as well as the production of heat. Either so strong, uh, either so no strong radiation is produced or absorbed locally. The waste products have been found to be not radioactive. This phenomenon is also referred to as cold fusion, lanar, lattice-assisted nuclear reaction, as well as other terms. And so today we had on someone talking about uh, brilliant energy. And as you see here, Brilliant Energy awarded patent for its potentially world-changing fusion reactor. European Union issues patent for controlled electron capture reaction. Now, their HHT, hydrogen hot tube, um, technology is actually incredibly cool. Now, we've brought to you different types of things about free energy before, but this one is legit. If you've been watching a lot of these YouTubes and TikToks where people are taking water and they're putting those little electrical devices in there with a little battery producing the hydrogen gas and then running their cars off of it or generators off of it, 
This is a very, very similar technology. That's that's basically what a hydrogen hot tube is. It is basically where you apply an electric current to water. It stimulates the water and starts giving off hydrogen gas. Well, what they do in this, in a Lennar reaction, is they take that hydrogen gas and they pump it into this reactive metal lattice. It's just metal. It, it's nickel, um, palladium. There's uh, You could use lithium. There's multiple different ways that you could do this. And they apply some, torp, some type of secondary catalyst, so an electric current or heat. And what happens is the metal reacts to the hydrogen. <clears throat> now, the metal traditionally is going to have a negative ionization where the hydrogen is going to have a positive ionization. So you have this difference of potential. And so there's going to be a reactivity initially when this happens. Well, what they found is when they control the environment with the catalyst, this reactivity that's actually produced has a 2.5 times more output energy than input. This means in the sense of electrical free electrons that are released from the nickel or the heat that's released from the reaction. And so they believe that scaling this technology, they can increase that 2.5 over unity to something around the range of 10x, 100x. Uh, and basically, they're claiming right now, and as, as the COP results continue to rise, Brilliant Energy's CECR technology okay, can, continues to move closer to being able to power up to 30,000 homes for one year on the amount of hydrogen contained in the volume of an average glass of water. Um, and so this company is going to be bringing out various different type of investor proposals. Um, I was talking today about the aspect of producing commercial grade, and they're getting really close to getting that aspect. They're going to go the traditional route of investor capital. Um, who is it? I think it was um, one of uh, Sergey Brin's brother uh, from Google is heavily invested in this technology. Um, a lot of the elitists are heavily invested in this technology. And so this is really cool because this is one of the first scientifically validated and in peer-reviewed studies of over-unity that has been accepted by the mainstream. Now, we have like Tomac reactors and these types of things, but they've never achieved the over-unity that we're seeing here in the Lennar reactor. And, and by the way, you can create one of these at home. This, this is, this is uh, not, well, it is kind of like, it's electrical engineering science. It's not rocket science. Um, there's something known as something is the Pons inflection. And basically the Pons inflection is how you produce H2 or deuterium through an electrolysis or a heat-derived catalytic process and how that can interact with various metals in a transmutation perspective to give off excess energy when a secondary energy source is in induced. So this is pretty cool. I've known about this technology for a while, but now it's actually in the sense of practical application and development. So really cool right there. I'm excited to see where this goes because this could be the breakthrough that we see within like the Patriot community. And, and here's the thing is the people that are involved in this, they're not, they're not going to make it open source, but they are being very, very careful of how they release it. And they've been very adamant that it's not going to be monopolistic when it comes out. And secondarily, is the technology, I mean, the science is out there. So developing these types of reactors, which give off zero radiation, the, the waste that, that this process gives off is helium and heat. 
And so they're going to basically utilize this as heaters and so develop the technology to come out and bring it out in the sense of like HVAC systems as new different levels types of heat, but that heat can be easily transmitted into a boiler system and produce steam, which pushes a turbine that which produces clean electricity. And that's kind of like the process they're going through. Now, me, my, my perspective, if I, I kind of wrote down the numbers and I started doing some, some things on it, that's just the way my mind works. But because of the difference of potential between the, the catalytic reaction is you should be able to actually capture the majority of those free electrons and produce an electrical current as, a, uh, um, as an exhaustive um, output other than just heat. So that heat, instead of being heat in the sense of a chemical reaction, is you produce a quantum reaction on the electrical scale that actually releases a mass amount of electrical potentiality. Um, and, and there's a way to do this through the technology that they're using, but I'm not going to tell them that unless they pay me, right? <laughs> All right, so the coming war of the Taiwan, we had Judge Napolitano with, uh, I believe it's, I uh, forgot his name, Colonel, uh, former U.S. Army Colonel. Let's listen to what they have to say. Which is one step below total. This is purely about satisfying Nancy Pelosi's ego. It's not furthering American interests. And in fact, I would say it's actually fatally harmed the relationship between the United States and China. There is a very fatally, I believe, fatally. China, I believe, will invade Taiwan in the near future. I hope I'm wrong on this, but I'm taking a look at the unprecedented size of these uh, military exercises that China is initiating, 360 degrees around Taiwan. The fact that they've mobilized 40 brigades, 40 brigades. Uh, roughly, um, how many, how many uh, troops, how many soldiers in 40 brigades, roughly? 40 brigades around would, would, would be, if you, if you look at 5,000, that's 200,000 troops. Wow. 200,000 troops in war games, Chinese troops in war games, in preparation for an invasion of Taiwan. And remember, China elevated its defense status to level two, which is one step uh, below total war. So uh, I don't think the Chinese are bluffing. There's a lot of people who are poo-pooing the Chinese, saying, no, they talked a big game, but they let her play in land. Really? You wanted China to shoot down Nancy Pelosi and get into a direct fight with the United States? No, what China's going to do is let Pelosi leave, let the United States withdraw, and then attack Taiwan, forcing the United States to make a decision whether or not it wants to commit a war with China that's unprovoked. All right. So, my hair is all messed up. So, 200,000 troops mobilized, 40 battalions. I've been talking about this all week. And why that is significant, because here's the thing. The money, the logistics, the planning that goes into these types of training exercises take months to plan. China isn't backing down. They're going to make their move. They're, I'm telling you, they're going to make their move very shortly. And the reason they haven't made their move right now, because now they have the catalyst event to do that, is Nancy Pelosi visiting Taiwan. Now that they have that catalyst event, they can go in there and they're going to do what they want to do. But I think what they're probably doing is negotiating with Taiwan and trying to get them to surrender. I, I, I'm telling you, listen, you don't move 200,000 troops to your coastal provinces. You don't move your, your, air, uh, your aircraft carrier fighter battalions into the coastal provinces of, of uh, Taiwan. You don't shoot missiles and training exercises. You don't deploy your whole Navy, all your military assets in a training exercise, unless you're going to go. It, 
they're getting ready to go. I'm telling you, I, I, I hate using time frames, but we could potentially see China invading Taiwan by next Monday. I mean, listen, they are primed and ready to go. And I think that they are simply just negotiating with Taiwan, saying, look, dude, we got you surrounded. They've already practiced the, um, the blockade of all the shipping lines. This is what they're doing out there. And the United States can't do anything about it. And I'm going to show you an article, which I'm going to disagree with. But here's another one. Look at, look at this. Threat from above. China launches 22 aircraft in the Taiwan airspace after deploying aircraft carrier and firing 11 missiles and invasion drills. These aren't drills. These are preparatory warnings to Taiwan saying you have no chance in hell. Now, Mike Adams posted this article. Uh, analysis why China loses any escalation involving Taiwan in the United States Navy. Um, I don't know who Mike Adams talked to, and I, I don't know Mike Adams um, personally, but Mike, if you do hear about this, please, I would love to come and talk to you about this because um, this analysis is not that, it's not correct. So the United States will get their ass absolutely handed to them in that region. China will not lose. China will win bigly in that arena. I'm telling you, I'm 10 years United States Navy. I, I understand the dynamics of this situation. You are dealing with a much, much superior force within those waters. The United States doesn't have the strategic, the mobility or logistical capability to fight a naval battle in that area right now. Doesn't even, and they don't have air superiority. We might have more aircraft fighters, bombers than China combined, but in that region geographically, we're massively outnumbered. Like I was saying yesterday, the United States military is very diversified geographically, which means that in the South Pacific, we only have a certain amount of allocation of fighting forces, and they're basically on a defensive posture. There's nothing there that can be offensive. Now, Taiwan itself and the United States Navy still don't stand a chance. Taiwan, uh, Taiwan, Japan, and the United States don't stand a chance. Taiwan, the United States, Japan, and Australia, naval forces, don't stand a chance. You would need all the transitionary fleets from the United States Navy to be in that area, and they would still be the underdog because the only thing that they could do is bombard Chinese coastal provinces with basically missiles, and most of them are going to be shot out of the air. In the sense of a naval battle, yeah, you might have a bloodbath, something like the Battle of Midway, and you don't know who's going to win, but it would be something along the line of the Battle of the Midway where 50% of our naval fleet is wiped out. Then you also have the aspect that Chinese also has ground force penetration from their coastal provinces to fight against U.S. Navy battalions. They have the quick launch bombers and fighters from their coastal land provinces where the United States would be launching from shipboard. So it, it, it's, yeah. 100% it is not a battle that the United States wants. It's not a battle the United States can win. And China will win bigly. This is why what I think is going to happen is when China invades, they're going to call up Lloyd Austin, Secretary of Defense. They're going to say, you have 24 hours to get all U.S. military assets the F out of the way. Okay? 
This is what's going to happen. And if they don't, they will be destroyed. And they're going to give the United States a head up. And I guarantee you the United States is going to put their head between their tail and duck out of there. Because it's just a battle you can't win. I'm telling you right now, it is a battle you cannot win. China has already won at this point. By, by letting them do this one exercise, it's over. And I don't mean to be bearer of doom and gloom or anything like that. Look, I, I, I love military strategy. Studied this. Okay? But what happens when this happens? Because it is going to happen. What happens if they take out U.S. naval um, ships? What if they sink a carrier? What if they take out all the U.S. Uh, military bases on the island Taiwan? <clears throat> Excuse me. Then you have an act of war. It's an act of war that the United States can't fight. And so what you'll see is most likely sanctions. China will go around those sanctions and they'll produce various types of blockades, which will basically put the whole Western civilization on a six-month countdown of attrition. You're going to see massive um, financial collapse, black swan event during that time. Could be any day now. Okay? So this is a dire situation. If you haven't listened to my show the last three days, um, just listen to me now. When China invades Taiwan, and it's not if, it's when China invades Taiwan. And it's... It might not even be an invasion. It might just be Taiwan welcomes China in. They, they welcome diplomats from China over and they just lay down. And that's it. It's over. And the United States gets kicked out. It could be very, like, that simple. Okay? But there's also something else going here. Russia is instigating the, the old war between Serbia and Kosovo again. And they're doing this on purpose because... One thing that you want before a war occurs within a geographical area is you want destabilization. So you want economic, political, and social destabilization to occur because you don't want these people organized and you don't want them to be able to fight back immediately in a strategy and in an organized fashion. And so you want them basically on their heels and fighting amongst each other before you invade them and take them over. And this is what Russia is incredibly good at in the sense of psychological warfare. And I see Russia basically going for all of Ukraine, moving into NATO nations when after China makes their move within Taiwan. The reason I say that is because there's most likely if this is not a peaceful incursion into Taiwan – then we're going to see some type of United States retaliation. They, they almost have to. Even though they'll duck their tail and run, they'll come back with NATO. And then that's when Russia most likely will make their move in Eastern Europe. And that's most likely when you will see Iran make their move in the Middle East. Do you see how that all plays out right there? And the United States will be forced into a tri-fronted war. Dual-fronted or tri-fronted. Okay, so if that happens, they would have to initiate a draft. They would have to call in veterans. And that's that point where we stand up and we go, no, we're not going, not happening. I'm a patriot to this country and no, absolutely not. And I think that that's what a lot of them are counting on. And maybe that's the time when Donald Trump stands up and says, don't go. Show them how many people voted for me by staying home. By utilizing civil disobedience and standing up. 
Yeah. So the U.S. Uh, signed the Southeast Asia Defense Treaty back in the 1970s, where they're obligated to protect Taiwan against any type of foreign incursion. It's it's in there, but uh, Lloyd Austin and Joe Biden have been very adamant that they do not stand militaristically with Taiwan. But that's why I said you will see some type of militaristic interaction. And when the United States begins moving all of their forces in that area, that's when Russia is going to make their move on Europe because it makes Europe vulnerable, vulnerable during that point because it destabilizes NATO's power struggle within Eastern Europe. And that's the prime time for um, Iran to begin striking Israel, where the United States has the same type of pack with Israel, as well as with the NATO nations that border Russia. And do you see how this produces this predicament for the United States military, which is already vulnerable, which is already undermanned, um, shorted? Um, they, they've lost massive amounts of experience. They've been sending massive weapons over to Ukraine. Um, United States is bankrupt financially. I mean, inflation is out of control, so it's destabilized. But what I'm thinking is that Donald Trump helped set a lot of this in the motion. I, I know it sounds crazy, but just think about it. How else do you... So if you have... The War of the Roses, right? That's what we're about to see is the War of the Roses. The war of the multiple different factions of the New World Order that are all fighting for control of the planet at the same time. These factions are a small group of Satanist, evil son of a bitches that we call the global elite. They call themselves the global elite. This is various different monarchies, bloodlines, banking dynasties, just wealthy billionaires that come from blue bloodlines. Um, who knows what they are or who they are? But they exist, and this was the original Committee of 300, which has probably expanded well over 1,000 now. Um, but so they're the committee of 300. So we'll say that they're one of these heads of the Hydra, one of these factions. Then you have these kind of other wealthy people that grown up and maybe separated themselves from those other ones that see the world a little bit differently. The Elon Musk's, the Donald Trump's of the world who, who don't want the world to be thrown in the chaos, but much rather have humanity succeed, rise up, go to the stars, expand out there and, and, you know, produce a world society where people retain their rights, their freedoms, their individualized sovereignty. And that if you're in the United States citizen, you still have the constitution and there's nothing that you have to worry about about in the sense of tyrannical regimes infiltrating your country, right? So I, I think that there's this other aspect as well. And I think that that's what this battle's about. And I think that Donald Trump went into China. Remember, this was like, what? This was September 2019, right before COVID released. And I think he looked at Xi Jinping and said, they are going to put a knife in your back and they are going to take your people and enslave them like they're going to do with the rest of the world. And I think Xi Jinping saw it. And I think Xi Jinping said, okay, what's the plan? The plan is you team up with Russia and other countries that are on the fence and don't want to go along with this. You guys form your own alliance at the same time systematically weakening the NATO infrastructure as well as um, Europe, the United States, financially, because China held a lot of financial control. And I think that if there was ever a plan, you know what I'm talking about with the plan, if there's ever a plan, that this is the best plan that you could actually come up with. And the reason I say that is because if you made a deal, remember the art of the deal, he's, he's a great deal maker, never, do not invade the United States of America, right? And we will make sure that the United States doesn't get involved. 
and take down the deep state. And this is the plan to take down the deep state. And what happens is the United States begins this decline. We drop into a depression. Uh, Joe Biden and his administration look absolutely horrible. Imagine if Joe Biden and Congress declare war on these countries and initiate the draft. And millions upon millions of American citizens just go, no, I voted for Donald Trump. Think about this. Think about if Donald Trump came out and did a speech the whole world saw and said, listen, this war is fake and false, blah, blah, blah. If they put it in the draft or they try to recruit veterans, don't go. If you voted for me, show your solidarity with the United States of America and just say no. And imagine how many millions would say no. Then think about how bad Joe Biden would look. Think about how bad that administration and Congress would look. They just lost all power to the consent of the government. Now, moving into the midterm elections, if this happens before the midterm elections, which I think would be a great strategy for China and Russia, if they were really trying to collapse the the globalists and the deep state, and they really wanted to, to help out the United States in some way, shape, or form to get rid of the infiltration of the globalists, then they would want to do this before the midterm elections because you're going to make Joe Biden, the Democrats, Congress look absolutely incompetent. All right? Now, what are the potentials of what can happen in the election? Man, I haven't even gone through. Um, so the touch on the election real quick. Um, before we get into talking about the election real quick, I wanted to talk about this one. So Carrie Lake was crying foul the other night. We were all crying foul. She was down by 9%. And overnight, she took the lead. She's up by about 2.2%. Now, what's interesting is only 82% of the expected vote is in. But you know, in the Democratic primary in Arizona, they have 91% of the expected vote in. Why? You know, they're not really, you know, think about it. How does that make any sense? Now, is Lake going to win? Yes, most likely Lake is going to win. Um, I don't think at this point, I think it's statistically impossible for her to lose, but they still won't call it. Um, I think there's potentials that they try to steal it from her. I do. Um, but I think that what happened here is Carrie Lake is very well connected in Arizona. Okay. Um, Donald Trump is very well connected in Arizona. And I think that they had safeguards in place. I believe what happened is that you had Robson winning on election night by 9%. And I think that they called in and basically went to Dobbs or Ducey or Robson or the chairman of the GOP in, in Arizona and said, listen, we caught you. We have everything and we will release it tomorrow unless you just undo what you just did. And I think they basically said, look, this is happening. Stop your cheating. We're going to win this. And I think they acquiesced and, and, and are letting the real election results get out there. Um, this is a good old boys club, very much similar to Georgia. This is what all these states do. It doesn't matter if it's Democrat or Republican. They all steal elections. Why wouldn't they? This is about power, money, control. <laughs> Hello, right? 
So, I think Carrie Lake is going to come out successful. I think that she is going to defeat Dobbs in the um, in the uh, state election in the um, November election, and I think that she will be the next governor. I really do, and I think Arizona is going to go 100% probably red this whole way, uh, which is good. I think that that's uh, that's good leadership. American First candidates are definitely good leadership. Yeah, I doubt any election results are real. And I think that's exactly what we're talking about here is those election results aren't real. It's just Carrie Lake had a card to play and she played it and she won. If that makes sense. Um, So the other part of the, the election stuff. We saw a sweep by almost every single American first and Trump endorsed candidate. This is awesome. So we had Nate Silver yesterday come out and start talking about Nate Silver, the guy who predicts elections, saying that, look, man, it's looking like the Democrats can take the Senate. This is them setting the narrative. Okay, the Democrats can't win. There is very good potential that if election. okay, there is zero chance if elections are free and clear that they win in November. There's no way. Okay, We, we know the real numbers. So, with that being said, they would have to steal the election or steal the election for the Republicans. Stealing the election for the Republicans, I think, is a little bit more difficult because once they do that, they have to pinpoint it on people and nonprofits and GOs, these types of things, and they would have to pinpoint that directly back to the Republicans, which if they cheated for them and it's going to be the ones associated with them, that's an, that's an incredibly difficult and risky task. Um, I see this happening. I see the Republican and American first candidates taking over the House of Representatives. I see the Democrats cheating their ass off to win the Senate. And this is what Nate Silver is saying, is the Democrats are 54% favored to win the Senate. Really? No, they're not. But we're going to see probably rhinos dip out, Democrats come in, we're going to see... Um, Republican, American first Republican Senate candidates lose in massive battleground states. And there's going to be cheating because here's the thing is, yeah, the Hawkeyes are out there. They're doing tailgate parties at ballot boxes. This is what Republicans are doing. They're, They're setting up camera systems. Awesome. Okay, But you can't observe them all. And even so, the smaller ones in the smaller communities are still senators with one vote. And what will happen is they'll steal the ones that really don't matter, that potentially were really close elections to begin with. And so there's got to be Republican senators out there that are up for very, very close elections. And those are the ones they'll steal because they don't have to steal too much. All they have to do is inject just a little bit in and win. And this is what we're going to see. It's very similar to what happened in Georgia when they stole the Senate election there, the runoff election. So I think that they're going to, uh, re- the Republicans win the House of Representatives. Pelosi, Schiff, all these people hopefully will be out um, of a job. And we'll see the, the Democrats win the Senate. Now, why is that important? Because if the House of Representatives files articles of impeachment, the Senate can stop it. So they can't get rid of Joe Biden. Not only that, as you have filibuster power, you have so much power in the Senate over the House of Representatives. Legislation would never be passed, would never go through. 
Um, so, but what one of the good things that can happen is that when the House of Representatives wins, they can now begin investigations into voter fraud in the 2020 election. And I think that's really where it's going to matter, as well as Durham hearings in, in those types of investigations. So this could be, yeah, we can't lose Ron Johnson. Absolutely not. This could be incredibly big, but you got to also remember the political tactics that they're utilizing against the Republicans. One of them is right here. Um, Ex-White House counsel subpoenaed by federal grand jury investigating January 6th attack. This is Sat Pipolone. Um, He spoke at the House January 6th Select Committee last month. Now, Pat, if you don't remember, is the one asshole that Patrick Byrne and Mike Lindell talked about that basically was stonewalling the president. Basically telling the president, you can't do that. Nope, not happening. Nope, we're not taking your orders. So this guy was against Trump from the beginning. And he was basically a snake in the White House. And so he's probably going to come out with some testimony on Donald Trump that's not going to be too good. And it's going to lead to the DOJ persecution of Donald Trump for October Surprise, where they'll move in to try to arrest Donald Trump. I think at that point, DeSantis moves in, grants him immunity in Florida, um, keeps federal agents out of Florida. This produces a massive um, state and federal rights issue, goes to the Supreme Court. Who knows what happens at that point in time? But I see that this is going to happen. So um, we could potentially have a semi-red wave in November. I think that we could take the House and they cheat for the Senate. I, I think that that is probably the most likely possible scenario. Um, and I think rec- Republicans would acquiesce to that. And Republicans would let that happen because now they have the House, which they haven't controlled the House in years. Um, Alex Jones. Uh, so, you know, this was a, a good article by the Daily Bell. Today they come for Alex Jones, tomorrow for all of us. The theory of the current batch of civil lawsuits against Alex Jones and Infowars goes like this. He claimed on multiple occasions that the 2012 Sandy Hook school shooting didn't happen. He also pointed the alternative theory that it did happen, but was a false flag. To be sure, here were just a handful of strange going on surrounding the case and the shooter, and we go on. Well, the parents of the Sandy Hook victims ended up suing him. And I believe it was originally for about $100 million. Um, Well, so he is now ordered to only pay $4 million. And this came out just a little while ago. That's the verdict. Um, there was a great video about Alex Jones. So whatever you think about Alex Jones, there's a great video today about him. Um, great video out there about him. And the one prosecutor was like, so you believe in the conspiracy that all these, uh, these, these politicians and these elitists of the world are partaking in child trafficking and pedophilia and all these other things, and he kind of got a smirk on his face. And Al Jones he goes, "You mean what Jeffrey Epstein did with the Clintons?" Whoa, that was that was good. But uh, you know, this is kind of what Alex had to say about this. Let's just listen to this real quick. So the top story in the United States the last 24 hours, trending number one on every major platform, is Alex Jones's phone has fallen in to the January 6th committee's hands. Here's my lawyer or counselor or advisor, Robert Barnes, give you a 
Absolutely. I've been doing constitutional law for a long time, and while I am not a representative of InfoWars, I am a representative that cares about the Constitution. And in that capacity, the Fourth, the Fifth, and the Sixth Amendment to the United States Constitution prohibit somebody from illicitly obtaining your attorney-client privilege protected information. This goes all the way back to Andy Griffith shows in the 1960s. This is how universally understood this precept and principle is. So what the January 6th Committee is doing is violating the Fourth Amendment right against unreasonable searches, the Fifth Amendment right to due process of law and the Sixth Amendment right to counsel by seizing and stealing attorney-client privilege communications that cannot constitutionally belong to them. It is an outrage that should concern every American because in this case, like so many other cases, Alex Jones is everybody and everybody is Alex Jones. So that's... Uh it out. All right, so that's some pretty crazy information there pertaining that if you don't know the whole fiasco with Alex Jones's phone, his lawyer sent his phone to the prosecutor, um, didn't do any redactions or anything like that. They said it was a mistake, but I think it was on purpose. And now the January 6th committee has taken that phone into their evidence, which they can't legally. It's a violation of your Fourth, Fifth, and Sixth Amendment right. And I think that this was a tactic by Alex Jones to actually produce a lawsuit against the January 6th committee. Just lost $4 million in this suit. Now he's going to sue the January 6th committee for a massive invasion of his privacy for $10 million. Makes sense to me. So I think that that was kind of a tactic that they used. They knew that they were communicating. The prosecutor was communicating with the J6 committee. And so I think that that's kind of a tactic because they had all this ready. Uh, but Alex Jones, uh, whatever whatever you think of him, whether you think he's uh, an asshole, a good guy, uh, a bad guy on the payroll. I know a lot of people in the Q community think Alex Jones is um, on the, the Jesuit payroll. Uh, sorry. I think that uh, him and Q should kiss and make up. You have to understand the history that happened there. Basically... Jerome Corsi was trying to put information behind a paywall for decodes, and Q came out and said this stuff needs to be free. Um, Alex Jones had two people on his show who were the first to break the information about Q. One of them was caught logging into his 4chan account on the actual 4chan Q account live on Alex Jones's show, and Alex Jones called him out for it, saying, what are you, Q? And that would have been like FBI Anon. And then, uh, what's her name from Uncover DC? Uh, Tracy Bean. And there is massive speculation that the original Q, the first Q that was posting on 4chan, wasn't the real Q. Um, that those accounts ended up getting turned over to somebody mm, who used to be the head of the DIA. And... Uh, that those people got paid off and those pe these other people, intelligence community, took over the account, including Trump. So, um, I, and I, I think that there's enough evidence to substantiate that, but basically Alex Jones called them out and this is one of the reasons why Q attacked them. So, who knows? I think he speaks a lot of truth. I think that he's been spot on for years. And even if he is a disinformation agent, it's hard to dis discount him because he has been incredibly truthful throughout the years. He's been spot on right throughout the years. So um, I respect Alex Jones. Absolutely. 100%. White House declares SCOTUS ruling on Roe unconstitutional confirms Medicaid to be used to fund abortions. Now, what is the problem with that? I, seriously. In Wednesday's White House press conference, press conference, Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre called out the Supreme Court's June 
overturning of Roe v. Wade as unconstitutional and declared that the executive order signed by President Biden shortly after would not violate the Hyde Amendment. Do you know the only branch of the government that can declare something constitutional or not constitutional? It's the Supreme Court. That's the only branch of government that can do that. The president, the executive branch, there's a system of checks and balances in place, has no authority, no legal authority to say, hey, that's unconstitutional. And so right there, that is a criminal act that the Joe Biden administration is doing right now. And I hope that the Supreme Court acts to it and and really opens up some type of DOJ. I know nothing will come out of it. But there's ways the Republicans should shoot the Joe Biden administration right now for exactly those comments right there. Karine Jean-Pierre should be freaking fired for saying that. And if that came from Biden and his administration directly, that's treason. They don't have that authority to declare what's constitutional or unconstitutional. And no executive order can sur- um, surpass the authority of the Supreme Court. Can't. So we are moving into what Q would call a constitutional crisis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Trump blasted by Dick Cheney as former vice president stars in his daughter's latest ad. I mean, I have no heart. I wish I had a brain. I wish I had a brain. Let's watch this right here. Dick Cheney, ladies and gentlemen, the angry Dick Cheney armed with a shotgun. In our nation's 246-year history, there has never been an individual who is a greater threat to our republic than Donald Trump. He tried to steal the last election using lies and violence to keep himself in power after the voters had rejected him. He is a coward. A real man wouldn't lie to his supporters. He lost his election and he lost big. I know it, he knows it, and deep down, I think most Republicans know it. Lynn and I are so proud of Liz for standing up for the truth, doing what's right, honoring her oath to the Constitution, when so many in our party are too scared to do so. Liz is fearless. She never backs down from a fight. There is nothing more important she will ever do than lead the effort to make sure Donald Trump is never again near the old laws. And she will succeed. I am Dick Cheney. I proudly voted for my daughter. I hope you will too. All right. How many noticed the eyes? Remember Panda Eyes? Or not, uh, what is it, the... The, 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 the psychopath eyes. Look at that. He never blinks. He doesn't blink once. If you watch the whole entire thing, watch. Drink every time Dick Cheney blinks. Lynn and I are so Drink. proud of Liz. Drink when he blinks. For the truth, doing what's right. Dick doesn't blink. The guy's got no heart and he doesn't blink. I'm starting to believe in clones. So... Dick Cheney, obviously massive globalist, um, and Liz Cheney, his daughter, obviously a puppet. So we'll see what happens uh, with that as it unfolds. Now, this was interesting, this next, and what do I mean by unfolds is basically you had the neocons, the neoconservative movement, backing up oh, San Boku eyes. Thank you, Love Beach. Yeah. You had the neocons basically backing the Democrats. Why? Because they're on the same agenda pool. Who likes sober drinking games? I know if Dick Cheney doesn't blink, 
then how can you drink? Man, if I sat here and tried not to blink this entire show, you know how difficult that would be? I think I just blinked, but I didn't even notice I blinked because my eyes just naturally do it. Oh, my God, I can't. Like, oh, I did it. Oh, damn. But listen, this next one. Dixon wins Michigan GOP governor primary to face Whitmer. Businesswoman and conservative commentator Tudor Dixon won the Republican primary for Michigan governor on Tuesday, setting up a tough race against Democratic Governor Gretchen Whitmer as angry and divisions within the state GOP threaten the party's efforts in the battleground state this fall. Dixon, who was endorsed by former President Donald Trump last week, defeated four male candidates in a race between little-known political newcomers. She was also had backing from the prominent Michigan Republicans family of Betsy DeVos, who was the education secretary in Trump's cabinet. Not only did she have the um, the support of Betsy, Betsy DeVos, basically Betsy DeVos, this is her candidate. Okay? This is, nobody had ever heard of Tudor Dixon, in governor in Michigan. I've been getting tons of people writing me from Michigan. I never heard of her. And she just won. Why? Well, because it's a good old boys club and money controls that club. And Betsy DeVos is one of the wealthiest peoples in Michigan in the Republican side. So their candidates win. Is that the best candidate, though? Probably. I, it probably is. So we've heard about the Inflation Reduction Act. This could lead to $800 in savings for average households per year. Oh, my goodness. $1,800 in savings? That's almost like, what, $110 a month more in my paycheck? Wow. That really does take away from the $450 more a month I'm paying because of inflation, Joe Biden. But you know what? The majority of the money in this billion dollar or this trillion dollar, $800 billion bill is going to green energy development and climate control. Has nothing to do with inflation. Has everything to do with the Green New Deal that wouldn't get passed. So what they did is they separated it into multiple different functionalities of bills, like the Infrastructure Bill, the Ominous Bill, the Inflation Reduction Act. They utilized crisis and emergency. They tucked these parts of that old bill in there, and then they shove them through as if America needs this now. They're turning the frogs gay. Man, I could always do that really live, really good live, but I can never record it. I don't know. You know what, though? I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. That's right. I I am as mad as hell, and and I really don't want to take this anymore because this is getting absolutely ridiculous to any means. And and what are we expecting here? Now, we're going to see a probably about a 5% decline, I think, of the housing market over the next few months. Um, but this is what we're seeing right here. Housing prices dropped at a record pace in June amid rising inflation and mortgage rates. Uh, this came out from last week's numbers released by the Fed. Um, mortgage News Daily reported the average rate on the 30-year fixed rate mortgage rose above 6% in June. That's because of the raising of the rates of uh, the Federal Reserve. Uh, Black Knight Data and Analytics President Ben Grabowski explained the slowdown was broad-based among the top 50 markets at the metro level, with some areas experiencing even more pronounced cooling. In fact, 25% of all major U.S. markets saw growth slow by three percentage points in June, with four decelerating by four or more points in that month alone. Um, And this isn't good news. I mean, when you start seeing this crunch hit home, um, this is what you're going to see next. 
Econ- Economist warns job openings are about to fall off a cliff. It won't be long before the Biden administration and the central bankers at the Fed can't point to strong labor market anymore. Despite the back-to-back contractions in GDP, Joe Biden, Federal Chair Jerome Powell, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, and all their supporters in the corporate media insist the U.S. economy isn't in a recession and is doing absolutely great. But the only data they ever point to in order to back up their assertion is a strong labor market. The problem with the spin is that the labor market is lagging indicator and it's slow to show um, its cracks. Job openings fell more than expected in June. According to the Job Openings and Labor Turnover Survey, JOLTS report, job openings fell by 605,000 to 10.7 million as of June, 2000, uh, June 30th. The forecast was for 11 million vacancies. So what does this mean? You have companies all throughout the United States, massive corporations doing massive layoffs, okay? Uh, the, the private industry, the private capital industry, financial industry are all laying off people in troves. 20, 30, 40, 50% of workforces are being laid off. Why? Because you need to turn a profit as a company, and one of the biggest expenses is the labor force. And if your production is going down, if consumer sales are going down, then you don't need as many people, and you can reduce that to increase your profit margin by, you know, if your production cost is increasing, so now I have to increase my retail price and I have to reduce my labor force. But I'm producing less, so that actually balances out. And that's just what businesses have to do. But we're about to see this labor crunch here in the United States that is tied in with, as well, a declining homeowner crunch, which is tied in with potential global economic collapse, supply chain infrastructure collapse, whatever happens with China. And as you can see, all this stuff basically meshes together and forms this catalyst for a systematic decline. And this is what we've been warning you all about in the sense of the black swan event, the global financial collapse, is that it's imminent. And we're seeing these indicators all over the place. Michael Berry, if you guys have not watched the movie The Big Short, it's on Netflix, if you got Netflix, or you can find it anywhere. The Big Short, it's about the 2008 financial collapse. Michael Berry, who is a hedge fund manager, made billions of dollars by shorting all of the, uh, the mortgages, the, the mortgage-backed securities. Here's the thing. As Michael Berry right now is basically aligning himself to make billions again, saying that the market is going to crumble and collapse. Other top economists are saying the same thing. It's coming. With that being said, getgoldtoday.com. Getgoldtoday.com. 720-605-3900. Telling you. Um, If you watched the crypto collapse the last few months, the last probably, what, about 12 months, started in August and September last, well, May of last year, then September again, it tumbled, then December, January. And people like me were coming out and saying that this was 100% completely manipulated. And that what you have is large financial institutions that are manipulating cryptocurrency. The last big tumble for Bitcoin when it went under 20,000 occurred because of a crypto company called Terra, which is their own blockchain foundation, basically what they had is their own stablecoin, which is pegged towards the dollar. And the variability of that pegging is based upon circulation of assets and um, assets held by the foundation, which were held in Bitcoin. Well, BlackRock came in and made a deal with them and then basically reneged on the deal and basically moved the peg of the currency, which crashed Terra. And uh, 
when this happened, Bitcoin tumbled. And I said, watch out, BlackRock is going to buy everything on the ground level. And here we go. Coinbase shares soar on BlackRock crypto partnership news. Coinbase shares are up almost 40% this morning following the news that major crypto exchanges will be partnering with the world's largest asset manager, BlackRock, to make it easier for institutional investors to manage their and trade their Bitcoin. Now, if you think crypto is going away, you're crazy. BlackRock now is invested in Coinbase, using Coinbase's technology. Crypto ain't going away. And they're going to crash it again. And they're going to buy it all up. And that's what they do. They crash and buy, crash and buy. That's what they're going to do with this economy. The economy is way too high. They're going to bring it down. They're going to buy everything up on the bottom. And they're going to rise it up again and get even wealthier. All right. Scientists reanimate dead cells in pigs, a potential breakthrough for organ transplants. Not only did they reanimate dead cells, is they got a dead pig's heart to start working again. That's freaking nuts, man, isn't it? That's just absolutely crazy. Uh, Gump, thank you so much. Gump donated $1. This movie we're living in sucks. Yeah, but you know what? It's still a movie and there's actors and uh, it's at the end of the day, it ends and we can go to the next theater. I, I, I kind of believe that. Uh, Gump again, $1. Josh, what do you think of the FBI paper on domestic terrorist logos? We covered that two days ago and um, this is basically targeted... Uh, propaganda that is setting the narrative to come after you and me by utilizing things like Directive 51 and uh, the National Defense Authorization Act to basically seize descendants that uh, the United States government doesn't like in the time of a natural disaster. So 100%, I agree, they're going to utilize this to come after us. I mean, I mean, I'm wearing an NRA shirt right now, and so therefore I'm a target. <laughs> Unbelievable, though. Um... Pilled, looking and pilled. Oh, I got to do a refresh of that page. All right, pilled. Looks like we have uh, 100 pills that have come in. So awesome. Guys, I'm going to go ahead and pilled and release the Kraken. There you go. The, the scratching has been released. Um, go in here. I'm going to go to D. I, I, I can't see all this stuff that happens on D Live. It's weird. Yes, I agree to D-Live's terms of services. I just yelled at D-Live. They're probably mad at me. Um, long story with D-Live. But uh, thank you, Mebri, LED, Patriot of Pisces, and everybody on D-Live. Uh, love the beach. Donated three levens. Thank you guys so much for all of that. Uh, I got some weird news. Uh, maybe maybe not. We'll, we'll see here. So this one was... Um, oh, well, here you go. So we just talked about the pigs, right? Now, ge genetic scientists create world's first synthetic embryos. Forget egg, sperm, fertilization, and sex for procreation. This is straight out of Huxley's Brave New World, written in 1932, and looking into the face of technocracy. Pregnancy was forbidden as genetically engineered babies were created in test tubes and birthed in incubators. Forbid forget egg, sperms, and fertilization. Researchers use stem cells from mice to form embryo-like structures with intestinal tract, beginning of a brain, and a beating heart. Scientists at the Wiseman Institute in Israel found that stem cells from mice could be made to self-assemble into early embryo-like structures with the intestinal tract, the beginning of the brain, and a beating heart. Known as synthetic embryos because they are created without fertilized eggs, the living structures are expected in the near term to drive deeper understanding of how organs and tissues form during the development of natural embryos. 
And uh, this is just more cloning technology that they're utilizing. Now, if you guys remember one of my episodes with Ben Stewart, um, he talked about transhumanism and talked about how they plan on basically implementing super cities. And the way that they want this is they're going to depopulate the world, they're going to make nature off limits due to climate change, and they're going to contain everybody within the walls of these massive megalithic super cities, which in the United States, there's only going to be about 20 of them. So imagine only 20 cities in the United States. Imagine how small the population has to be. And globally, there's going to be various different ones. Um, this is, I, I want to pull this up for you correctly. Um, <clears throat> the video that I'm looking at is just isn't right to use. And I know some of you have already seen this, but I want to play this for you because that's, there it is. There it is. I want to play this for you. Let's watch this. Countless governments and companies have taken a stab at building a city of the future. There's Songdo in South Korea, the Alphabet-funded Keyside Project in Toronto, which was abandoned in May of last year. And both Singapore and Barcelona have tried to modernize with smart sensors. In January of 2021, Saudi Arabia announced plans for its own futuristic city called The Line. Instead of communities sprawling outward from a central location, they would be built vertically and arranged, well, in a line, hence the name. Even though the vision for the city stretches 170 kilometers, it would do away with cars entirely and instead be connected by high-speed rail that would travel the entire length in just 20 minutes. And each individual community would be largely self-contained so that almost anything you could need, be it a school, a doctor, or a quick meal, would be only a five-minute walk away. The government says the line will run on 100% clean energy and make extensive use of sensors and AI to manage the city's services. And all of this is supposed to be nestled in the pristine natural landscape of the Tabuk province with minimal impact on the environment. Now the Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman has revealed grandiose renders of what the city will look like to match the grandiose plans. The line is envisioned as a giant glass and mirrored wall, 170 kilometers long, 200 meters wide, and 500 meters tall. That's taller than the Empire State Building. It would have greenery stretching along the top, an open-air ventilation system to help maintain an ideal climate year-round, and it would house up to 9 million people. Now, the line is just one part of Saudi Arabia's controversial $500 billion neo-megacity project. For one, the so-called virgin land that the government is building Neom on is, unsurprisingly, not all that virgin. It is the ancestral and current home of many people, including members of the Hawatat tribe who are being forced from their homes for what many see as a vanity project that won't amount to much in reality. Those who have dared to speak out against the government's plans or refuse to give up their homes have been harassed and abducted by Saudi security forces, arrested, or in some cases, killed. For example, Abdul Rahim al-Hawati, a prominent Hawatat activist, was killed by police in April of 2020 after posting videos on social media trying to raise awareness of the forced displacement. All of this controversy has even led to some commercial partners pulling out of deals like Riot Games, which had signed on Neom to sponsor the League of Legends European Championship. Backlash from the gaming community caused that to quickly unravel. 
Now, even if Neom is eventually built and lives up to its lofty promises, there will still be plenty of more cause for concern. The line is expected to be loaded with countless sensors, cameras, and facial recognition technology that, in such a confined space, could push government surveillance to almost unthinkable levels. Now, that would be troubling in any nation, but in a country like Saudi Arabia, where homosexuality is outlawed, LGBTQ people are persecuted, and women hold almost no rights, it's downright terrifying. All right. So, you see their plan. They are moving towards this. This is happening, and this is going to be the theme for the future, these types of lime cities or vertically rised cities. And, and look, I, I have nothing wrong with ergonomic, ergonomically designed cities, right? But when you have government-built ergonomically designed cities that are being built for the point of containment and surveillance, there is the problem. And that you have to live there. There's no ifs, ands, or buts, but you have to live there. Um, there was another article I had, and now it's not here. Let me see, man. Where is it? Oh, my goodness. I can't find it. Let me think about it. Let me see if I can find this. There it is. Um, so, we are entering the Parasid meteor showers. Okay? And... Bright green meteors are being seen to be raining down in New Zealand. Now, basically, they call this Fireboss Asoteriroa, a collaboration between astronomers and citizen scientists which aims to recover freshly fallen meteorites. But basically, what you're seeing here are these bright green meteorites. And what they're saying is the green glow of the aura, so it's an aura like the aurora borealis, is caused by oxygen ions in the upper atmosphere created by collisions between atmospheric oxygen molecules and particles ejected by the sun. These oxygen ions recombine with electrons to produce oxygen gas, but the electrons can persist in an excited state for several seconds. In an energy transition known as forbidden because it does not obey the usual quantum rules, they then radiate the auroral green light at 557 nanometers wavelength. The meteor can also shine by this route, but it, only if it's extremely fast. Very fast meteors heat up in the thin atmosphere above 100 kilometers where auroras form. If you want to see a green auroral wake of meteors, watch for the Parasid meteor shower, which is happening right now. And so they had some video in the original article that I had, but basically there's been like massive sightings through New Zealand of this. But guess what? So I was watching some videos on this last night. They're being seen all over the world. M people are reporting massive meteorites all over the world. Green, blue, all types of colors. Okay? I, I'm telling you, it's incredibly rare to see a green meteorite, especially 22 of them on the same night. Like That's like probably better chances of Joe Biden winning the presidency. Okay? Um, something's going on. And you know what I think is the Parasid meteor showers and why it's so strong this year and why there's a lot of um, meteoritic collisions here on Earth is because of the theory I talked about the other night with the destruction of a planet, old debris few, uh, fields, and the Earth moving through it, the analemma wave where we are in the processional cycle, and how the Earth is transiting through this old processional cycle that is known for great cataclysms. 
I think that's what's happening right here. Um, so we're going to keep our eye on that, too. Maybe it's a point of discussion tomorrow on Conversations on the Fringe. And don't forget tomorrow, Conversations on the Fringe is at uh, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 7.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Brad Olson will be our guest, returning guest. Brad Olson, he's, uh, he's awesome. We had a great conversation last time. Uh, Vince will probably be back sometime next week, and maybe we'll bring in. I think I got a few more guests next week as well. Um, we have uh, I have a few people scheduling out, rescheduled from this week and stuff. Um, but, uh, yeah, join me for the Dark Delight Show tomorrow. Don't forget to check out our sponsors or help us out with donations if you can. It definitely helps us, especially with travel and equipment. I just got some new equipment here, so I appreciate everybody for helping out on all those aspects of it. Um, don't forget to redpills.tv slash go. That's our Give, Send, Go campaign. If you want to go to My Patriot Supply and utilize them, redpills.tv slash patriot. you got to use that link, redpills.tv slash patriot. Um, if you want to go visit Mike Lindell, go to my pillow, use that promo code RPP, or also go to getgoldtoday.com. If you have those 401ks, RAs, or just want some gold and silver, please check that out. Um, guys, much love, respect. God bless you guys. That's all I have for you tonight. I hope you guys have a fantastic evening. Awesome job um, uh, tonight for everybody. I just appreciate you guys so much. And uh, that's one thing that I do is I always keep that positive pay it for it vibe. And I always tell people, I appreciate you. Especially if you appreciate them. Let people know that you appreciate them. So much love, respect. God bless you guys. Don't forget to the socialredpill.com. By the way, there's Zooms that are occurring. And they start in about an hour. And you guys are all more than welcome to join in. Just go to the events tab. Events tab. And you'll see the social Red Pill Zoom. You can join in there. There'll be a bunch of people in there. I might jump in later. I'll be driving on the road for a little while. I got to go do something tonight. But much love, respect. God bless you guys. You guys take care. Have